Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you're going to get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show, blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. And send messages. To the show at go for it, Gio, F O R I T G A N T. Great show lined up for you today. And as we go throughout the course of this show, as we talk sports and have fun doing it, we're going we're gonna to touch on a lot of things, going to get to a lot of things. Um, obviously, we got to talk about Jeff Fisher. He's gone finally. I mean, I, again, I don't. Never like to see anybody lose a job, but there's a time to move on, and it was time to move on for the Los Angeles Rams. But we're going to talk about that. Also, going to talk Cowboys, Romo, and Prescott. Will it turn out like Johnson and Flutie? We'll get to that. We got a lot to get there, a lot to get to, excuse me, in a short time to get there, and we're going to most definitely get there. For sure. Let's get right down to it. All right. Last night in Seattle, we saw just a beatdown. And a beatdown by the Seahawks against the St. Uh, I keep saying St. Louis, Los Angeles Rams. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. You look at this Rams football team, and obviously they got a new coach, well, an interim coach, John Fossil. Filling in for Jeff Fisher for the remainder of the year. But you look at the Rams at this point in time, and you see why Jeff Fisher got fired. I mean, if you look at that football team last night, if you watched that game last night, you saw a football team was a, that was abysmal. You saw an offense, to quote Todd Gurley, that was middle school-like. I mean, that offense was pathetic. That offense was putrid. That offense was awful. And you can understand why Jeff Fisher was given his walking papers. You can see why Jeff Fisher was sent on his way. It took long enough. Should have happened sooner. But it happened. Finally, he was off. And, you know, he came into the year saying, you know what? I don't want to be 79. I don't want to be 79. Well, guess what, Jeff? You didn't even have that opportunity. You know what I mean? You, you, you didn't even have that opportunity. You were, well, if you would have won your final three games, you would have been 79. And that would have been a, a, a happy place 
for you and the St. Louis Rams. That would have been a good thing for you and the St. Louis Rams. Just an awful situation. And here's the thing. You're in L.A. There's a lot to do in L.A. It's sunny. It's 70. It's beautiful. There's beaches. There's just the nightlife is lovely. There is so much to do in Los Angeles, California. So if your football team is a bad football team, if your football team is not producing and doing big-time things, guess what? People are not going to sit there and watch your football team, especially in L.A. They're not going to come. You can easily be forgotten. Easily. So this Rams franchise had to do what they had to do. This was a move that they had to make. I mean, there was no way you could trot out Jeff Fisher again next season and and and, and expect his fan base in L.A. to be excited. There, there's no way you could do it. There's no way you could do that. I mean, this fan base wants to see a team. I mean, obviously you have the level of excitement because it's new. But if it ain't no winning, the newness is going to wear off quick, fast, and in a hurry. You get the sense that L.A. really didn't miss football all like that. Really didn't. But the Los Angeles Rams with Jeff Fisher couldn't be the Los Angeles Rams no more. That, that, That was something that the ownership had to move. They had to make that move. It had to be done. Whether that move was done now or at the end of the year, it had to be done. And it's so funny. It's so funny. Because when that move, when they made the move for RG, when they made the RG3 trade with the Redskins, got a whole bunch of assets, a whole bunch of different players, some who haven't produced, like Alec Ogletree or Michael Brockers, others who like a Greg Robinson who hasn't been all that good. I mean, so this is a team, yes, that made a a good move at the time, seemingly. You know, at the time they had their quarterback, I guess, in Sam Bradford. We all know what what happened with that. Um, And at the time, you know, maybe if Sam Bradford could have stayed healthy, they would have been okay. and It would have been an okay situation for the then St. Louis Rams. But the reality is St. Bradford can't stay healthy. He has a hard time doing that. That's not an easy thing for Sam Bradford. It's, it's, it's not easy for Sam Bradford to stay healthy, and he couldn't stay healthy in St. Louis. And ultimately, they moved him on. I mean, and they went from Bradford to Nick Foles, and that didn't work. And they went from Nick Foles to Case Keenum. That didn't work. And ultimately, they made the decision to draft Jared Goff number one. Now, here's the thing. You look at Carson Wentz, who they had an opportunity to get, and you look at Jared Goff, and you look at those two, and you say at this point in time that Carson Wentz is probably the better prospect. Probably. Here's the thing. Both Wentz and and Jared Goff, don't have the greatest weapons on the offensive side of football. They don't. I mean, yes, golf has Gurley, 
but that offensive line is no good. And the offensive line in Philly is just okay as well. Probably a little better than the offensive line in Los Angeles, but not much better, especially with Lane Johnson not being there. But if you look at the two prospects, Goff and Wentz, to me, to me, just watching Wentz and watching Goff, obviously at this stage, at this point in time, Carson Wentz is farther along. He most definitely is farther along. But, but, and it's a big Kim Kim Kardashian, but, but if you look at, we've seen situations, a Troy Aikman, a John Elway, where, where guys have gotten off to great starts and ultimately ended having Hall of Fame careers. We've seen the other way with RG3, who got off to that great start, 20 touchdowns, five picks, rookie of the year, big time year, wins the NFC East. Does all these great things for the Washington Redskins in year one. The Redskins thought, heck, hey, we got our franchise guy. We got our quarterback of the future. We got the perfect quarterback moving forward. This is our guy. We got it. We got our franchise guy, and things are going to be beautiful in Washington. Guess what? Year one for RG3 was great. Year two, awful. Year three, awful. And then ultimately, RG3 was sent packing and on his way. So initially, it looked great for Washington. They believed they had their franchise guy, but ultimately, they found out they did not. So we look at the Wentz, we look at the, the, the golf situation. To me, Wentz does look like the better prospect, better arm. Better athleticism just looks better. And and Jared Goff, maybe with a better coach, a, a, a coach that knows what they're doing with the quarterback position, maybe it could be better. It could get better, I should say, for Jared Goff. But I look at Carson Wentz and the weapons that surround Carson Wentz The wide receiver position in Philadelphia is awful. They don't have a running back. And so he doesn't have much to work with. He really doesn't. And I think he's made the most of what he has. And it's not a lot. It's really not. But, and we'll see how this whole thing plays out. Still early. And, And things could change. But let's go to Jeff Fisher. Obviously, when you're looking at Jeff Fisher, um, you know, you, you could talk about, and, and Jeff Fisher, I was reading this article on, on SB Nation about, you know, the excuses, the excuses and the excuses and excuses that Jeff Fisher has made this, you know, this season. And he made a lot of excuses this season. But, I mean, you look at it, and he was on the verge of, you know, having the worst or having the most losses as a coach in the history of the NFL. What's going to happen? And if he was the coach this week against the Seahawks, it would have happened. But, fortunately for him, he was spared. But Jeff Fisher wants to coach again. 
And I wonder if he gets another chance probably at some point in time. Seems like a guy who's well-respected. If not well-respected, at least a lot of people like him on some level. And, and, and so at least it seems like some people will give him the job and give him the benefit of the doubt. But the excuses for, for Jeff Fisher were, were numerous throughout the course of 2016. SB Nation beautifully you know, talked about it and talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. And you remember what's funny? Jeff Fisher, remember the time they played the, the Redskins and they, you know, all the guys who were a part of the RG3 trade, they all came out as captains, you know, trying to troll the Redskins at that point in time. But, I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, RG3 is gone and now Jeff Fisher is gone. So, at the end of the day, this is a trade where nobody won. Nobody won. But let's start, let's start week one. 49ers, I mean, you know, they got shut out 28 to nothing. 28 to nothing. I mean, it's just, it was abysmal. It was horrible. It was bad. Bad, 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 bad. Just bad. I mean, but, you know, (laughs) I mean, he talked about moving and, you know, the move and dealing with that injuries and things of that nature, dealing with that, you know, referees dealing with that. I mean, the, the, the excuses go on and on and on and on and on and on and on when it comes to this guy. I mean, there's an excuse after an excuse after excuse. But at the end of the day, this is a production business. And if you produce, you stay. If you lose, you move on, you go on, and you just go. You go, and then that's just the reality of the situation. You go. That's just it. That's it. Yeah. I mean, look at the excuse he made against um, the Saints. I mean, losing 49-3. He said, quote, we've been through a lot. It's not an excuse. But we've been through more than any other team in the National Football League this offseason. And the moves and the travel and all those things. We're dealing with those as best we can. Another excuse. They had an extra three or four days to prepare for us. Haven't played last Thursday night. Stop it, Jeff! Stop it! I get it! Trying to save yourself! Stop it! And it goes on. Goes on. Goes on. Against the Dolphins, you know, up 10 to nothing. You know, just on and on and on. He went on, quote, there was constant pressure. The coverage didn't allow it. We had some shots. He's talking about not going downfield and being very conservative with Jared Goff in his first start. He made a good throw to Kenny. We didn't come up with the ball. We would have liked to have seen pass interference called in that play, which is a field position change. More excuses, Jeff. More excuses, more excuses. More excuses. I mean, excuses go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. On! Talking about international game when they played overseas against the Giants in London. That's the hard part of international, hard part of international game. Talk about the jet lag and adjusting to the time and things of that nature. Stop it! Every excuses go on and on. Jeff Fisher. 
I'm not going to be 79. I'm not going to be 79. And that quote echoes and echoes and echoes and echoes throughout the course of this season. After each and every loss, you keep thinking about, I'm not going 79. I'm not going 79. That's all you heard when it came to Jeff Fisher, the excuses, the excuses, the excuses. Stop it. Stop it. Here's what I will say. They were four and five with Case Keenum as the starting quarterback. Four and five. Um, and then that point, you know, coming off a win, they decided to go to Jared Goff. You wonder if Jeff Fisher thought maybe he had more rope than he actually did. And if he actually thought the possibility of him being fired, if he would have just stuck with Case Keenum at the time, who I guess in theory gave them the best opportunity to win. I don't know how much of an opportunity, but it gave him a better opportunity to win. So you wonder if he if he would have just stuck with that, with, with Case Keenum. Who knows? Maybe they would have stole a game here, stole a game there. I doubt it. I guess in hindsight, I think the best move for him to have made or could have made if he was thinking about job security was going off and starting Jared Goff from the beginning. So right from the beginning of the year, whether he's prepared or not prepared, you know, no, no, no matter where he's at, where he is in terms of his development or anything, I think the best move for Jeff Fisher in order for job security, was to go out and start um, Jerichoff right from the beginning. Because if you start Jerichoff right from the beginning, you got to build an excuse, rookie quarterback, rookie quarterback, rookie quarterback. You know, uh, these are the things that rookie quarterbacks go through. These are the ups and downs that rookie quarterbacks have. You know, so on and so forth. You, you could erode that excuse from the window to the wall. You could erode that excuse from – Week one to week 17, you could erode that excuse. And so you wonder if Jeff Fisher should have, in fact, just said, you know what, the heck with it. We're starting Jericho from the beginning, from the rep. He's going to be our starting quarterback from the beginning to the end. And we're going to develop him. And this year and this season is dedicated to the development of Jared Goff. And I guess if you do that, you know, the LA fan base may have a level of excitement because they know that Jared Goff is their rookie quarterback, their prize rookie quarterback, their number one pick. And, and maybe they thought, you know what, this was about the development of Jared Goff and they could accept losing a little better. But when you go to Case Keenum, you're saying that you're trying to win on some level now. I don't know how much you're trying to win with Case Keenum as your starting quarterback, but hey, you're trying to win now. And so with that whole situation and with Jerichoff as the starting quarterback from the beginning, I think it would have helped you. And I think it could have helped in terms of job security. But those beatdowns in your building, girly calling, you know, calling your offense middle school, like, I mean, that, to me, that's just that's too much to overcome. 
you know, just the mounting pressure seemingly from, from everybody in terms of, you know, it's time for Jeff to go. And you wonder if it would have continued throughout the whole year, if the fans would have chimed in, you know, at games, you know, you know, fire, Fisher. Fire, Fisher. You wonder, you wonder if that would have happened as the season went on. You wonder if that would have went on in Los Angeles. But ultimately, the Rams made the right decision. Get him out now. Get a fresh start next year. Fresh start for your quarterback, Jared Goff, and a fresh coach that can get your fan base excited, somebody the fan base can get behind and be excited about, you know, as you build the fan base in L.A. and as you build this franchise in L.A. So that's what I think they're obsessed with what they're going to do moving forward. We'll see who they pick. Maybe a John Gruden. Maybe they can get him out of the booth if they're interested. Maybe, you know, maybe, um, I don't know, maybe, you know, Pete Carroll, maybe they can get him from Seattle, pry him out of Seattle. I don't know. But we'll see where they go in terms of a coach. You know, maybe they go into college ranks, maybe an Urban Meyer. So we'll see. We'll see what's interesting where the Rams go. They're going to go someplace. They're going to go somewhere. Just wonder where it's going to be and who and where they're going to go. I mean, let's let's go now to let, let's switch gears now. Um, Craig Sager. Um, Craig Sager died yesterday. Battled cancer. Battled it to the end, but couldn't beat it. Died at the age of sixty-five. And the reality is, unfortunately, with cancer, I know also well. Lost my mother uh, to lung cancer a couple years back, so I know the battle and the struggle also well. I mean, not in terms of living it out, you know, the pain and, and dealing with it personally, you know, me going through it, but seeing it and seeing somebody, you know, break down and see cancer. I don't want to say win, but see cancer just overtake the person. You know, ultimately, Craig Sager, he tried and he tried and he tried some more. My mother, she tried, she tried, she tried some more. Stuart Scott, he tried, he tried, he tried some more. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the reality of cancer is more often than not, it's going to win. It's going to win. But it may have been the reason Craig Sager died, but it didn't win. I mean, Sager, he won through his attitude, through his mindset, through, through his fight. And, you know, the thing is, sometimes within a nasty, bad, ugly situation, which cancer can be. There's beauty in it. There's beauty in the, the struggle. There's beauty in the fight. And there's beauty in what Craig Sager went through. There's beauty in how he, while he lost on some level, he he didn't lose. He didn't lose. He didn't lose. While cancer was the one that thing that killed him, he didn't lose. He battled. And he battled. And I respect that man for battling. But obviously there's a lot of respect for him in NBA circles. You saw it in terms of the, the, all the, 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 the public accolades by players talking, you know, the players publicly talking about him. And then some of the, the events before basketball games, Pop taking the mic, Steve Kerr taking the, night, the mic, and everybody's celebrating the life of Craig Sager. Obviously 
he's had an impact on a lot of people and had a big time impact on the NBA community. And as Steve Kerr did last night, you know, easily in this particular situation, in this particular time, you know, you call for a moment of silence. But Steve Kerr did the opposite. You know, he he had the crowd salute, cheer, and and you know, just celebrate the life of Craig Sager because his life is to be celebrated. He enjoyed life, the the fancy and beautiful loud suits. He enjoyed life. You saw a guy who enjoyed life. You saw a guy who battled and battled and fought and fought. And Charles Barkley, when he visited Craig Sager, you heard him say, well, it is like he was battling Camden. I mean, it, it just didn't seem that. Like, his attitude. And attitude is everything. And his attitude was right. So just like Steve Kerr did last night, we're going to do the same thing. Bring in a crowd for Craig Sager. Rest in peace, Craig. Rest in peace, man. And, uh, you know, your legacy lives on through your family, through your kids, and through the things that you've done with this battle. You know, you, obviously you went through a lot. You suffered a lot. But, man, you beat it. You, 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 to me, you beat it. You beat it. You, you, your life, your work on this earth, at the end of the day, was done. And that's not a bad thing all the time. It's, just, it's something to be celebrated because you made it and you made an impact on others. You left a legacy. And that's a great thing. Oh, you know, to the family, to the family, you know, I wish you nothing but the best. And, you know, I, I just hope that everything works out for you and yours. Let's move on now. And, you know, again, it's the beauty of sports. The beauty of sports is, you know, sometimes you get some great stories and, and you hear about some great people. And we saw... Some beautiful and great things. Beautiful and great things. When it came to Craig Sager and what he's accomplished and what he's done in a world of sports. I mean, it's just, just some great things. But so at the end of the day, kudos to Craig Sager and kudos to the life that he's lived. So let's let's move, let's move forward again. Let's not forget Craig Sager. In Dallas now, you have a, a interesting situation. You have you have a very interesting situation. Um, you have a situation now where the Cowboys has ha- have had some struggles over the past two weeks. I mean, some offensive struggles. Defensively, you look at the Cowboys and you're like, wow, wow, this team. Is, is is playing some good basketball. Football, excuse me, defensively. You're like, wow. 
doesn't seem like there's less talent on this defense. But defensively, they're playing well. But over the past couple weeks, the past couple weeks, there's been some struggles offensively in Dallas. You know, you look at the game against the Minnesota Vikings. He only put up 17 points in that game. And he only put up seven points against the Giants, 24 points in the last two weeks, and some turnovers there as well. But you look at those 24 points those last two weeks, you look at the game against the Vikings, if they don't get, you know, where you had Adam Thielen who fumbled the punt return deep in Viking territory, which ultimately set up a touchdown, Prescott to Dak Prescott, excuse me, to Des Bryant. If they don't get that, if if they don't get that particular fumble, you wonder if they would have won that game. But anyway, the the offense has some struggles. And Dak Prescott has had some struggles over the past two weeks. And obviously, when you have Tony Romo on the bench, it's going to lead to speculation. You know, Jerry Jones, he's not helping the situation. But when your quarterback goes 12 for 18 for 139 against the Vikings, and then your quarterback comes back and goes 17 for 37 and 165 against the Giants and two picks, that's not a good situation. And, and, you know, obviously you're going to look at your quarterback when he's putting up those type of numbers. Here's what I'll say maybe in defense of Dak Prescott. You look at Minnesota, that's a very good defense. And that defense has done some, some great things to a lot of teams throughout the course of this year. And you look at this Giants defense, it's playing a lot better. They're getting after the quarterback, you know, Olivier Vernon and those guys, JPP before he went down. But you look at the Giants, and defensively, they're playing some good football. So you, you ran up against two teams that defensively are playing very well at this point of the year. Vikings play well throughout the course of the season defensively, and the Giants are picking it up defensively over the past few weeks. So both of these teams that they played over the past two weeks have played some big-time defense. Now, you can look at the Cowboys and, you know, a Des Bryant fumble. That doesn't help. That doesn't help at all. You know, you can't put that on um, Dak Prescott. But, I mean, at the end of the day, there's always going to be speculation. There's always going to be talk. People are always going to talk. As long as Tony Romo's in the building, as long as Tony Romo's on the bench, people are always going to talk and talk and talk and talk. And especially when Jerry Jones says some crazy things like the, the quote he said quote i know when i see it i know when i see it. and he paraphrased the quote and i'm like jerry wait a minute you just compared your situation hold on that's get bail is talking that but i mean you know you talk about uh he just says i know when i see it and it just it just over and over you just get the sense that he's keeps you get the sense that the door has not completely closed when it comes to Tony Romo and the Dallas Cowboys in 2016. But the reality is, with Dak Prescott, with Dak Prescott, he's a rookie. And he's going to have rookie moments. He's going to have rookie moments. Rookie moments. That's just that's just reality. That's just reality. 
you know, when, when, you, when you're having your owner saying, you know when you see it. But I do know that he didn't say Prescott. Well, he didn't say Prescott's our starter. He, he did say he's unequivocally he's the starter. But, I mean, you just get the sense. You get the sense that it's always the possibility that Tony Romo could be under center for the Dallas Cowboys again. You, you just know there could be that possibility. Let's look at what some NFL execs are saying. One unnamed NFL exec. Dak has won 11 games for you. You're living in the past if you make the change. Romo hasn't played at this speed for two years. Live and die by the sword. That's what one exec has said. That's what one has said. Another said Dallas has played some two pretty good defensive fronts the last couple of weeks. What I said, who could defend on the back end. It's not easy being the big dog, and teams are now running for them and fighting to get in the playoffs. While the Cowboys already clinched, it's normal to have a letdown for young players in that position. Jason Garrett has his work cut out now, and you're going to face good defense in the playoffs. It's on the coaching staff now. Another exec added, a week from now, who gives you the best chance to win a football game, Romo or Prescott? Who expands your offense when he steps on the center? Another exec. You know, went on, and you know, uh, you get a bunch of different thoughts, ideas, opinions, beliefs. But Jerry Jones needs to come out and just completely say, without a shadow of a doubt, that my starting quarterback is Dak Prescott, barring injury. I think he's earned that. He's won 11 football games and 13 tries. 13 tries. I mean, he just talks, just talks, and talks some more, Jerry Jones. You know, called the, the, the quarterback questions, legitimate, legitimate discussion. Just, just talks and talks and talks. And talks too much. Too much. And I feel like I feel like at this point, let's say well he did say Dak Prescott is a starting quarterback, we completely sort support him. But let's just say, you know, if he's not hurt, Dak is doing and running this team for the rest of the year. Let's say that. Just say that. And no, nothing more, nothing less. Just say it. Say it. But you more, the more, you know, you got Troy Aikman coming out, and he having some things saying about it. You know, he's saying what he's saying. He's Troy said, "quote I'm really, I'm just really dumbfounded by the comments. Not only the first time, but why they continue. I don't understand why you talk. Jones always talks more than any any other owner in the NFL, maybe the world." And that's not Troy Aikman. That's the article saying that. But Troy Aikman did say, I don't understand why you would talk. And Jerry Jones does a lot of talking. He does a lot of talking. does a lot of talking. And, you know, again, asked a question. Asked what it would take to replace Prescott with Romo. Again, Jones said, I don't have a definition for it. But you know when you see it. 
Like, come on. Dude, come on. Come on, dude. Stop. Stop. Just say there's there's no way, shape, form that Cody Rumble could be a starter for us again. Unless Dak Prescott is hurt. That's it. That's it. And so I look at it and I'm like, man. I remember a situation back in 1999. Doug Flutie and Rob Johnson. Rob Johnson got that big five-year, $25 million deal back in 1998. You know, he got that big deal, got that big money. And so, obviously, you pay a quarterback that type of money. You want to see that quarterback as your starter. And so, Rob Johnson came in that first year in 98. Doug Flutie on the bench. Rob Johnson struggles a little bit, but ultimately Rob Johnson gets injured. Doug Flutie steps in, and then Doug Flutie does his thing. And ultimately, he leads them all the way to the playoffs against the Miami Dolphins, which they lose in the wild card round. Then, next year, 1999, you look at the Dallas, the, the Buffalo Bills. They go 11 and 5. Doug Flutie is the reason they go 11 and 5. You know, he sits out the final game of the year. Rob Johnson steps in. Rob Johnson has a big game, puts up some big numbers. And then guess what? According to to Wade Phillips, now he's saying that Rob Wilson, the owner of the Bills, made him make the decision to go to Rob Johnson as a starting quarterback in the playoffs against the Tennessee Titans in the Music City Miracle. Many fans today, today are still – like, how can you sit Doug Flutie down after leading your team to 10 wins and putting your team in this position? You sit him down, and you go to Rob Johnson. And then Rob Johnson, I'll say this, he did put him in position to win. Did lead him down the field to kick that field goal that put him up 16 to 15. But, you know, the Music City Miracles, the Music City Miracle. And we all know what happened with that. But I say, I'll say this. I'll say this. I'll say this. I think Doug Flutie should have started, obviously. And I think it was a bad decision. I think it was a bad decision. Bad decision. But also, what might have been or what might be a bad decision coming up, what might be a bad decision, is what might happen in Dallas. I mean, if you're going from Romo to Dak Prescott, this is going to that situation. That situation is similar to Rob Johnson and Doug Flutie. It really is. Granted, Tony Romo has done so much more than Rob Johnson has ever done. The only thing Rob Johnson has done is gotten paid. But at the end of that. Hey, quarterbacks are going to run into moments. Teams are going to run into moments throughout the course of the season. You know, unless you go undefeated, uh, unless you go 16-0, you're going to run into moments, problems, situations, and times where you're going to have a level of struggle. You've seen it. It happens. But it's not the end of the world. And you still support your quarterback. And you still say your quarterback is your quarterback. You still say that, you know, Dak Prescott's your guy. You still say, barring injury, barring only thing 
that can get Dak Prescott out of the starting lineup is injury. Unless you really don't feel that way. And, and it might be where Jerry Jones doesn't feel that way. And it might be a situation a la, a la Ralph Wilson, according to Wade Phillips, where it might be a situation where Jerry Jones might say, you know what, Jason, come on in. Here's what we need to do. I'm the owner and general manager of this football team. I believe what's best for this football team. Again, this is my money. I run this. I believe what might be best for this football team is Tony Romo as my starting quarterback. I believe Tony Romo gives me the best opportunity to win. And he may not be necessarily wrong, but again, if you're going to make that move, and if you believe Tony Romo is your starting quarterback and should be your starting quarterback for the rest, well, I guess into the playoffs, I think you start you got to get those feet wet at some point. And maybe week 17 against Philadelphia might be the moment where he gets his feet wet. But he might need more than just one game to get those feet wet. And the thing is with Tony Romo, health. Can't stay healthy. Can't stay healthy. But I think Jerry Jones does talk too much. I think Jerry Jones needs to shut up. And I think Jerry Jones... Needs to just say, unless it's not the truth, barring injury. I know he said we completely support Dak as our starting quarterback unequivocally. So that's that. There's no issue there at all. That's what he said. He's our quarterback. We're proud of that. We want him to continue to have the success he's having. I know he says all that. I know he says all that. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, does he really believe it? Because to me, I think it's time to say, unless Dak Prescott is hurt, the only way Tony Romo gets in. So he just say, I messed that all up. And anyway, the only thing he should say, look, here's the deal. Tony Romo, excuse me, Dak Prescott is healthy. He's the starter. Bottom line, point blank. Conversation over. Unless, unless he gets hurt, he's Dax our starter. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. And so we'll see how that plays out. And I, I, but obviously, if Dak and the Cowboys struggle this week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who also is playing much better defensively, if they stumble against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, the conversation will continue, and the conversation will intensify. It will most definitely intensify, and will continue to intensify. If that comes out, balls out, plays big-time football, they beat the Buccaneers, it, it shuts people up for a little bit. Then it goes against the Lions, balls out there, Shakes people up. But at some point, you're going you're gonna to clinch this thing in terms of having the NFC all tied up, sewn up, and taken care of. You got a two-game lead on the, the um, Detroit Lions. So if, essentially, if you win this week, it's a done deal. You clinch the best record in the conference. 
You take care of home field advantage. So if you win this week, it's it. That's it. So so theoretically, theoretically, you win this week, you go 12. At that point, you're 12 and 2. Actually, actually, they don't sell it up because they have a line still, unless the Lions lose. So if you win this week and the Lions will lose, you sold, you take care of the best record in the NFC. But you have another hiccup, Lions win, and then you see the Lions the following week and the Lions beat you, the Lions could be the number one seed in the NFC. Still got Seattle out there. Too. So let's just looking at this now. You're, you're two and a half up on Seattle with three games to play. Three games to play, you're two and a half up on Seattle. And so you're in good position. You don't clinch it this week, you're going to clinch it next week. That's, I mean, you, you obviously it's going to be soon when you clinch this whole thing and have the best record in the NFC. It's going to happen soon. It's definitely going to happen soon and very soon. So two and a half up on Seattle. Um, they win this week. They're 12 and two. Excuse me, two games left. There'll be two games left. They'll be 12 and two. Seattle will still be. So there's no way Seattle can catch them. And there's not enough games. And if they win this week, and the Lions lose, it's a done deal. Actually, if they win, they'll be 12 and 2, Lions will be 10 and 4. No, they need to win and have the Lions lose in order to clinch home field advantage throughout the course of these playoffs. And that should be interesting what happens once they clinch. But I guess the, what would be more interesting, I guess what would, be, what would be more interesting is that if the Cowboys lose and Dak Prescott starts, stumbles and struggles, and they lose another week. I guess it would be more interesting to see now because then you have the controversy with Tony Romo, and then we'll be talking about that. So we'll see what that looks like moving forward. But I know this. I know this. I think the Cowboys are going to win this week. I think this talk is going to quiet down. But unless Dak Prescott wins the Super Bowl, the talk is going to continue. The the only way he, he shuts everybody up I think if I win in the Super Bowl, that, that's it. That's the only way he shuts everybody up. Other than that, people are going to talk. They're going to talk, they're going to talk, and they're going to talk some more. But again, they win this week. Lions lose. They clinch the best record in the NFC. But, 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 which could make this thing pretty interesting. If the Lions win this week against the Giants, you're 10-4 and the Cowboys lose, they'll be 11-3. Now that opens this whole thing up because then the Lions have an opportunity to overtake the Cowboys for the number one seed in the NFC if they can beat Dallas and Dallas. Lions are playing some good football. That hand injury with Matthew, Matthew Stafford does scare you a little bit. And hopefully he can adjust and play with that glove. Hopefully he can. But Cowboys still got to win. They still got to win. They can't have a hiccup against the Buccaneers because that opens this whole thing up 
because the buck and at this point the Buccaneers are playing some big time football. So especially if the Lions win, if the Lions win, and and the Buccaneers beat the Cowboys, Cowboys eleven and three, Lions ten and four. Lions go to Dallas, beat the Cowboys. Cowboys eleven and four, Lions. 11 to 4. Then that comes down to that final week of the season. And you got to look at Seattle as well. Lurking. Lurking. And lurking some more. Think about Seattle. The most games they can win is 12. Most they can win is 12. Excuse me. Most they can win is 11. So check that. The most they can win is 11 because they have that tie. So the Lions. If they can sweep through these final three games, Giants, Dallas, Packers, and the Cowboys stumble. Well, actually, actually, if the Lions, the Lions, even if the Cowboys do not stumble against the Buccaneers, if they stumble the next week, um, against the Lions, and the Lions win, so the Lions will be ten and three. Excuse me, the Lions will be ten and four, and the Cowboys will be eleven and two. Now, Lions win that game against the the Cowboys. The Lions will be eleven and four at that point. The Cowboys will be eleven and three, and then it'll come down to that final week of the season, where the Lions would hold the tiebreaker. If they beat the Green Bay Packers and the Cowboys lose to the Philadelphia Eagles, and you know how much it would mean to that Philadelphia Eagle football team and that Philadelphia Eagle fan base and how revved up that Eagle crowd might be, even though it doesn't mean anything for the Eagles, it means a lot for the Cowboys. And there's nothing more that the Philadelphia Eagle fan base would like to do is to send the Cowboys home upset and unhappy that's what they would like to do so this thing ain't over yet but cowboys win lions lose cowboys clinch the best record in the nfc clinch it they already got the nfc's tied up Well, not yet. Not yet. They can still stumble. Giants still can catch them. I mean, in, in theory, in the, well, actually, no. In, in theory, if you look at it, um, the Giants would be 10 and 4 if they win this week. Cowboys would be 12 and 2. Giants still would have an opportunity as well. So I actually wouldn't clinch it. They would, it would not clinch it. So the Cowboys can't clinch the best record in the NFC. And I overstalked, I overstepped myself right there. But the Cowboys can't clinch the NFC until next week because of that loss to the Giants. Because if you look at it, Cowboys 11 and 2. I don't even have these scenarios in front of me. I'm just on the fly here. So the Cowboys 11 and 2, and the Giants are 9 and 4. Now, Dallas loses. Well, let's say Dallas wins 12 and 2. Giants won 10 and 4. Okay. Let's just say the Cowboys lose to the Lions and then the Cowboys lose to the Eagles. 
and then the cow and the Giants sweep, win the final four games. Giants would overtake the Cowboys. The Cowboys would go to the number one seed all the way down to five. Wow. So this thing ain't over just yet. I mean, they clinched the playoff berth, but they didn't clinch the division. And so these last three weeks are going to be interesting because the Cowboys still got a lot to play for. They still got a lot to play for. They really do. A whole heck of a lot to play for. They really do. Because I I, I guess, you know, you kind of, the Lions kind of snuck up on people because of the football they're playing, but the Giants as well. The Giants could arguably go from five to one, one or two. This game against the Lions is an important football game for a lot of reasons for the New York football Giants. It could help you in terms of trying to win the division and win the NFC East, and it could help you in terms of a tiebreaker situation when it comes to the Lions, if you do, in fact, win the NFC East. So Lions-Giants is a big football game. Obviously, the Cowboys-Buccaneers are, are a big football game. But there's a lot of big football games this week, obviously, and a lot of big football games coming up in the next two weeks. Cowboys, while they clinched the playoff berth, haven't clinched their division and have not clinched, you know, a, a bye yet. They can go from one to five or they can stay at one. I like to think or believe that they will stay at one. I could be wrong, but we'll see. Before we get out of here, we got a few minutes left. Um, Leonard Fournette. Um, Leonard Fournette, big time running back for LSU. You know, everybody's Heisman candidate for most of the year last season. You know, a, a guy who's a big time back, a guy who easily could have been in the NFL last year, should be in the NFL last year, but that's another story for another day. But it, it's time for him to think about his future. So he's not going to play. You know, we look at Jalen Smith last year for the Cowboys. Who was playing for Notre Dame at the time, but he had a big time injury. Some believe was a career threatening and career ending injury. Jalen Smith hasn't played yet this year, and hopefully for him, he'll get back next year on the football field. But if you look at what could happen, it's not worth it. It's not worth it at all. And you can call Fournette selfish for it, but hey, you got coaches leaving. You know Matt Rule for Temple. He ain't coaching his final football game. He's off the Baylor. You don't care, but the, the heck with the bowl game. I'm off to Baylor getting this money. Leonard Fournette is saying the same thing. The heck with this game, with with, with the holiday bowl. What, you know, what's that going to do for me? That's just going to put some more nicks and knacks and hits and on my body. My body only got so many hits in it anyway. So I'm not going to continue to get my body hit on until I get paid for my body to get hit on. And, and so – He's calling it quits. He's done. He's not playing in the holiday bowl. He's ending his career, and he's going off to prepare for the NFL. Ed Orgeron, Orgeron, excuse me, the coach for LSU said it was it was a mutual decision. It was something that he thought it was good for Leonard Fournette to do. He's got to go. He's got to go. 
you be stupid, foolish, dumb to risk it, to put your body in, in, in peril just to play, just to play in a game that means nothing to your life, your situation. Doesn't mean nothing. Hey, man, the next hit you get, you take Leonard Fournette on the football field, you need to get paid for it. That's what you look at a Marcus Lattimore in his situation. Jalen Smith, I think Jalen Smith parallels it a little better because he got hurt in a bowl game. It's, 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 it's not worth it. It's, re- it's really not. Also, you got Joe Mixon now from Oklahoma. There for the draft. You know, he's going off to the draft. And uh, the video out there, um, certain video, uh, Joe Mixon punching a female in a restaurant out there. Um, it's not a good look. He was trying to get this video. He didn't want to get this video out in the public, but but you know the media was there. Excuse me, Steve Norman should release the video to the Oklahoma Association of Broadcasters. Oklahoma Supreme Court ruled in the favor of the Oklahoma Association of Broadcasters. So it was put out there, it was thrown out there, and it's a big time punch, man. I mean, that's a punch to a female. Jeez, I mean, he punched her like a a, a dude. He really did. You know, she did put her hands on him, but, man, he punched her like a dude. He really did. She, oh my gosh. I'm not saying she did put her hands on him, but, my goodness. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't hit a, man, I don't know. That's tough. You don't hit a woman like that. But, you know, there was talk that she may have used the N-word. You know, and I guess that can make you angry, obviously. But we'll see how this this whole thing plays out. He was put on probation to 100 hours in community service. So we'll see how this affects his NFL status. It's it's a it's a video, man. It's it's a it's a it's a tough watch. It is a tough watch, but hopefully he's learned a lesson from it and. Hopefully he'll move forward from it, and hopefully, you know, everybody can move forward from it. We shall see. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at go for gant You know, like us on Facebook at go for gant and support all the great things going on with go for it For everybody here, go for it We hope you have a great weekend. Stay warm and warm and warm. See you later.